Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Well, as we're receiving the offering, I have the good pleasure of introducing someone to you who is going to uh, begin our Missions Emphasis Week. And um, uh, Amethyst Roth, I, I first met her on Citrus Springs Middle School campus. Um, I think she was in sixth grade at the time when I first met her. I didn't know her. Uh, she was doing a human video, I think, in, in FCA. You were dancing in FCA. She's still dancing today, by the way. She was dancing there, and I was like, yeah, there's something about that girl. Um, and, you know, and, and um, as God would see fit, he would bring her here, uh, both myself and now the pastor of Reflections Church. Both of us saw the call of God on her life. And we watched God... Um, make her into the person that she is. Um, we also had the good pleasure of taking her to Africa with us where she met her husband. That was awesome. Uh, he's, uh, he's an awesome, awesome man, Andrew. I don't think she knew it at the time that he was going to be the, uh, her husband. Uh, maybe she'll talk a little bit about that, but we knew we knew something was going on. We saw something magnetic, you know, and I'm a youth pastor at the time. I'm like, you better straighten up. We got we to gotta go deal with demons out here, you know. <laughs> so, but God knew what he was doing. God knew what he's doing, and both Andrew and Amethyst today are, are changing the nation of Congo. They're amazing, amazing, amazing people. You're going to also hear today from her pastor, and I would just say, open your heart. Not only does God want to do something significant right here, he wants to change the entire planet. And you're going to hear a little bit about how um, God has given them this assignment. Why don't you watch this video and then uh, welcome Amethyst Roth. Come see you where Kama siyo ewe, ninge kue wapileyo. Umejanema, narehema tele. Umejanema, narehema tele. Ebwana. says, if it weren't you, Jesus, where would I be? And who would I be? Jesus, lead my life. Even through the difficulties and the trials and the suffering, lead my life. Yesu, tawala milele maisha yangu. Yesu, tawala milele maisha yangu. Katika shida na raha, naumba wewe unitawale. Katika shida na raha. There is something that this church has given me 
which is more valuable than silver or gold, more valuable than the $5,000 check, $5, check that you guys gave me and said, go away, go to the nations, and don't come back, unless it's just to update me. M more valuable. And that thing was to understand how to, ex to seek the face of Jesus, how to worship him in spirit and in truth, through trials, through loneliness, how to embrace the press, as I've heard even my own le our leaders here at Calvary say. That was more valuable to me than anything because it was in that place of worship. It was in worship where I began to ask God, what, what does his face look like? And what I have learned is that the face of God is not always what we think it is. And God is not always in the places where he thinks, where we think he is. He's in the unlikely places or the places that, uh, well, let's put it this way. The Bible says that he's near the brokenhearted. And where are the brokenhearted? They're in broken places. I grew up in this community, in Citrus County, in this church, but I never felt that this place was home. It was my desert. It was my wilderness. It was the place where I felt like I was so lonely some days that my bones felt like they were wasting away. As I came closer to Jesus, things didn't always seem to be great. They seemed, it just seemed like a desert. But little did I know that God was preparing me. He was preparing me for other things. Perhaps it might be you. Perhaps it might be one of you over here or one of you over there that you would say, I've not felt that I belong here. And my question, my, my answer to you is that maybe you don't belong here. Maybe you're here for just a, a time and God wants to send you out to do something that you ha are not prepared for and you'll never be pre prepared for because God prepares you along the journey. I started in Africa. I went to actually Brazil with Pastor Otis and, uh, and then after that going to Africa where I did meet my husband. You can show the picture. He says hello. He says hello, he loves all of you guys. Okay, you can put out the picture. But uh, he, um, in Africa I met Andrew and, and even though Pastor Otis and everyone says they saw something going on, for me there wasn't anything going on. There wasn't any, I didn't have any desire to say this is the one until one day he told me, I want to take my family into the places where other people want to take their families out of. Because if we carry, if we know that we serve the Prince of Peace, then why not put it to the test and go to the places where they really, really need peace? And that decision to marry him brought me to the Democratic Republic of Congo. A nation that is most often known for war, most often known for horrible things 
the things that what people would call like the worst crimes of humanity. Um, the news usually doesn't say much good things about the place that I live in. Six million people dead over the last 20 years and many, many, many women raped. But I did not see that story when I went there. Yes, there's difficulties. Poverty is a reality and a lot of horrible things come out of poverty. War is a very present reality and a lot of horrible things come out of it. But what I saw was hope. And not hope with a small H, but hope with a capital H. And I found that Jesus has a face. He, his face might look different for you than it, did, than it does for me. But Jesus has a face, and Jesus, his face, first it, start, it looked like an Asian, a South Korean man. Um, when he gave me my beloved, gave me what I, what I needed to continue into this ministry. And then after that, he, he then he, his face looked like a father. And I always like to say, my father's black. He's a black Congolese man. I left, uh, I left Citrus County, and uh, let me see, I, I spoke only one language. I'm Puerto Rican in nationality, but I don't really speak Spanish. And uh, Pastor Otis used to say I'm a Puerto Rican, wrap, or a white girl wrapped up in Puerto Rican wrapping paper. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what he used to say. And, uh, but I uh, met my husband in Africa, who was born in South Korea, and in our house, we often speak Swahili. My husband speaks French at work. And uh, my father's Congolese. And when we weren't there, God just said, go. We didn't have an organization on the ground. But what came out of it was this beautiful church. We didn't start it. It was started by the man that you saw next to my husband in that picture, who I'm very happy to introduce you to today. It started by him and his family and a few elders in this church. They didn't have much, but they had the Lord, and they had a bunch of children who were on fire for God, who wanted to prophesy, who wanted to pray over their moms and dads, and then they went and prayed over their moms and dads. The moms and dads were like, what's going on here? So they come to a place, and you know, that's how the church started. And on the second day in Congo, they brought... Our pastor met me and An An Andrew and said, come to our church. So we go to our church, go to the church. We think that we're going to go to the church and hear and tell these children they have a destiny. God has a destiny for their lives and all these things. We go to the church and the children are prophesying that over us. <laughs> God had something in the Congo waiting. It was a father it was a family, and it was actually a refuge, a refuge for me, and a refuge for my, my husband, my marriage, and so many other aspects of life. Um, we are a church, and we call ourselves Nouvelle Community de Esperanza, New Hope Community, because what we know is that even in the darkest places, even in, especially actually in the darkest places, hope shines brighter. The Bible says that in the darkness or there's darkness, but when there's light, the darkness cannot overcome 
it. And what I see is that we, together with our friends from our family now from Congo and many other people around the world, we are gathering together, I could say rallying together for transformation, not just transformation of the spirit, but transformation of all aspects of the human being, of the people that we're working with. And we believe that there is a redemptive story in every darkness, in every dark story. There is a redemptive story, and we choose to follow that redemption. And so part of my redemptive story was actually to meet this man, Pastor Euclid, Pastor Euclid, who he speaks nine languages, so if he's English, is not like our English, do understand it's the fifth language. <laughs> so if you have a fifth language, you know, maybe you can be a judge, but most of us don't. I know I don't. He has enough degrees under his belt. Uh, he's been studying pretty much since I've been, like, longer than I've been alive. So let's just put it that way. And, uh, and also I would like to say on a personal level, he has changed, he and his family have changed my life. When you go into a country like the Congo at war, no experience, no language, four months married, 20 years old, you still need a mentor. And uh, he was the one who stepped in when times were the toughest. Well, first he was the one to, when times were the toughest, to just help us without any interest in mind. But then when we actually let him into our lives, he was the one who stepped in and said, no, this is not how things go. You don't do things this way. You do it this way. Marriage doesn't work like this. It works this way. Amethyst, be quiet. <laughs> Slow down. Be patient. And it, it, it's really with my honor that in, in this, at the same pulpit that I gave my life to Christ, I, I mean, laid my life down with all of my like really everything with all my inhibition down, that I gave my life to the Lord, that I can share with you what God has blessed me with, which is to have an amazing, amazing friend and father and mentor. And so with that said, I would love to introduce Pastor. Go ahead and give him a round of applause. <laughs> Honored to be here this morning. We praise God for this opportunity. God is good. Amen. 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 Really, we have so many things to say, but let us first say what God puts in our heart first. That's the priority. Hallelujah. This morning, when we're worshiping here, I was sitting there. And just something I heard, like someone is whispering, blowing on my head. Then the first time I didn't realize what was going on, I was thinking my mom who was beside me, she was the one blowing on my head. I looked, I heard the second time. I just said, let me look. I saw she was far from me. The third time, I had the third time someone blowing on me. 
and I didn't see. I just looked around, and uh, I felt like God and his presence was intense in the worshiping we were doing the morning. Pastor said that this week, there is someone who was released from cancer. And I really felt that God wants to do something this morning. He's moving in this room. His power is here. And he wants to change our lives. When just we face Jesus' presence, something must happen in our life. Pastor said we worship a living God. And where there is a living God, there is living testimony working and being happening there. You have to be aware of what God is doing. We have to be in touch with him. We have to be to know what he's doing all around the world. We don't come here just to sing, dance, and go back. We have to say, yes, I've seen you. When I met with you, something happened in my life. And when we see God, we have to have this, uh, this confidence that there is something happened in my life. And today, he's moving. He, today, he wants to do something which can take you to the next step and say, yes, that day I saw you. You touched my life. I can't leave. I want to stay there. I want to be connected to you. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to leave. Maybe this morning you are here. He wants to touch you this morning. He wants to touch your life. His presence is here. We don't live for the testimony of other people. We want to live to, for our own testimony. We can say, yes, Jesus, this is what I was. But you touched my life. And I want it to happen this morning. We don't pay for it. He has already paid. He has finished all for us. He don't ask questions when he wants to do something in our life. Pastor said it. He's the only one who doesn't ask questions. He just receives us. He didn't ask Martha, what, who are you? Where you come from? You are a prostitute. He just, oh, his love is so abundant. He wants to release his freedom in our life. Maybe you are broken. You are living in fear. You don't know what is the future. Jesus is here. Here this morning. He just wants you to touch him. Just close to him. Father, I invite you this morning. I invite you in this room, Lord. I invite you, Lord. I invite your power. I know your power is here. Yes, it's here. Your power is so intense in this place, Lord. We just want to be in touch with you, Lord. We want to be in touch with you, Father.
There is someone who's suffering here. There is someone who doesn't have peace in his heart. There is someone who don't know how the future will be. But Father, I invite you in his life. Touch his life right now. Father, we invite you in every area, in every piece of our life. Make a way this morning. You heal, Father. And you're still healing. You're still healing, my Father. You do miracle, Lord. You did and you're still doing. We have seen this miracle happening in our lives, Lord. That's why we can go far with you, Lord. Because we have seen and we can testify what you have done in our life. Do it this morning, Lord. We need life testimony. We need to, to see you, Lord. To see you in a new way. To worship you in a new way. Father, thank you. Because you are doing great things in our life. We love you, Jesus. We give you honor, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As I was praying last night, God just gave me this word in John 9. And when I was sharing this word, Pastor said, this is the word I was reading. Yeah? <laughs> and this is the word God is bringing for us this morning. John chapter 9, verse 1. You meet this guy. He was a blind man. He was a blind man. He never seen. And... Uh, there were questions. The disciples were asking questions. They were asking questions. Why? Why this guy can't see? Maybe it's because of his parents. Maybe they did something wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe. This world is full of questions. Why your life is like this? Why your business is like this? Why your study is like this? Why your marriage is going like this? So many questions. Many. And some can give answers. It's because of his family, where he's born. It's because of the husband. It's because of the wife. It's because of the economy of our country. They can give their answers. They question and they give their answers. But Jesus, he saw an opportunity to heal someone. Hallelujah. When they were asking questions, Jesus saw an opportunity. An opportunity to heal, an opportunity to give glory to the Father. When people have questions, when people are asking many questions about your life, about many things going on in your life, in your life, Jesus have an answer. They may attribute the questions and problems because of someone else, but in those problems, God have an answer. Jesus never asks questions. He just gives solutions. 
He's not there to ask many questions. He's not there to say, this is what you were before. I can't do this for you. He's there to say, yes, come to me, and I will give you life. Come to me, I will help you. Come to me, I'm here, the life, the, the way. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't want to know what you did days before. He's not there to ask what you were doing before. This guy says, I've seen him. I was a blind, now I can see. This is the response for the touching of Jesus. When Jesus touched our life, we don't remember what was before. We just say, yes, Jesus, here I am. You brought me in this church. I was this before, but now, oh, hallelujah, I'm shining for your glory. People can judge. People can say. People have their way to judge us. But when we meet with the king of kings, when we say, yes, I come to your feet, he changes our life. And when he changes our life, we have a new story. We have a new story. We have a new way. We can say, yes, I was this, but now I can see. Who were you before? Where did, you, where did Jesus brought you from? I don't know. Many people can still, still have questions about your life. Many people, they still think that you're still blind. But tell them, now I can see. Hallelujah. Now I can see. They don't know far. You have gone with Jesus. They don't know how far he has touched your life. They don't know how far he has changed your life. They still want you to go back where you were before. They want you to remain blind. But rejoice in Jesus. Now I can see. Now I can see. That's my problem. I couldn't see. Now I can see. I was blind before. He opened my eyes. He healed me. I was this kind of person. I was rough to my family. I was rough to my wife and children. Now I'm whole. Hallelujah. This is the Jesus we are serving. He's a good father. People can let us down. But he's there to say, welcome, my son. Come to me. I have rest for you. We have a good news, please. Every day we have a good news. Some people doesn't want it. But if we met with his love, we say, I can't leave. I have to stay there. He has touched me. Even the parent says, okay, he has an edge to say himself. There are times we have to stand alone. Even if our parents don't want to stand with us. Sometimes our wives don't want to stand with us. Our friend doesn't want to stand with us. We can say, yes, he has touched my life. He has touched my life. 
He has changed my life. Something has have happened in my life. You alone with him. They are turned. People will doubt if you are Christian or not. There are times people will doubt. When you are come to church here, they will doubt about you. But you alone say, I know where I took me. I know where I risked, me, risked my life. I can stand with him. Even if you don't want to listen, even if you don't want to understand, but I know where he took me. He made me who I am. Hallelujah. You need to stay in him. You need to embrace him. You need to say, yes, I was a blind, but now I can see. He has done so much for us. He has done so much. One day, I was just leading a prayer. I was the one leading the prayer in our church. And people said, we don't want to go this day. It was Saturday. They didn't want to come. Sometimes it happened. You call people and they don't show up. Yeah? And I was alone, just praying, 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 alone. From 8 to 12, at 11, someone came in. When he came, he just saw me. I was just praying, filled by the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, singing alone. At the end, we were five. From 8, 11, alone. 11, one person coming, 12, we were five. When we finished, this small boy said, well, I was thinking that you were many people here. You were singing, praying, and I felt like the church was filled with people. I said, maybe the angels were all around singing with me. Even when you are alone, God is there. When you feel nobody there, Jesus is there. When Emetis was saying, I was filled like I was alone. You were not alone. Jesus is there. He paid already for us. When we feel like we are alone, he's there already. One day, Mary was saying, who will help me to take out that big stone? She was asking questions on her way, but she took the decision to say, I'm going there. And he met someone who took already the stone for her. He's already there for us. He did everything we needed. Just go find him. Hallelujah. I told, no, I was alone. They said, no, no, we heard that like, there were many people here. I said, yes, Jesus the Father, the Holy Spirit, they were there with me. Sometimes people will not see who you are, but he sees who you are. He sees who you are. He knows what you are doing. He knows the decision you have taken for him, and he is there for you. He's there. Don't think that you are alone. People will not you, they want you to just stay blind, but he wants to open your eyes. And when our eyes are opened, we can see his glory. We can see his mercy. We can see with our eyes. We can touch him. We can say, yes, I want to stay with you. I don't want to leave you anymore. This young boy who came that day, he's a boy we met just when we went to baptize. 
and he was a street boy. He just came, he wanted to steal from people. Just when we finished baptized, I asked who want to give his life to Jesus. Just this is an opportunity. And the boy just raised his hand. We baptized him. We went back to the church. When we came back to the church, it was evening. I said, okay, it's time everyone can go back home. He said, I don't have any place to go. He said, okay, just stay with me. He stays with me from that day. I taught him. He knew how to read the Bible. He knew because he was at school, but he runs and he went because of problems of life. And uh, then we stayed, we stayed with him for long. We took him to school. He finished his school. He's now a teacher in our school. He's a father, and he leads all sheep in our, in our church. Wow. Hallelujah. Jesus has a destiny for everyone. Jesus is able to open our eyes. There are people who are blind spiritually. There are people who are blind physically and they need to meet with someone who can speak in their life, who can say, yes, Jesus can make it. Hallelujah. Jesus really changed his life. He's doing great work with us in the church. He was blind, but Jesus opened his life. We saw many ladies, they were really blind. They never read or write the, even their name. But when we met with them, we said, okay, we can offer something to them. Now they are able to read the Bible. They are able to write one and two. They were blind physically. Now they can see. And God can do miracles in their, in their life. Last time when we came, we were praying to have two years ago, we're praying to have a land where we can build a school. We have a school now and where we could build our church. We have a church now and we are seeing God doing miracles. He's healing people. Demons are cast away in Jesus' name. <laughs> we are seeing God really doing miracles. And uh, these ladies, because of economy and things in families, they never been able to write. We offered them the opportunity to read. Now we have the second promotion. They started last week. Now they are learning how to read and write. That's what the church can do. To give opportunity. To give dignity to people who doesn't have it. And we have to stand for this. Stand for this in this country. They are people who are suffering. They are dispressed with life. They don't know their future. They don't know how to look like to be in love, but be there. You are Jesus' feet. You are Jesus' hand. And Jesus wants you to be there for them. Amen. Jesus is doing great. Really, he's doing great. And we are seeing his glory every day. We have, uh, we want to build two more classes in Congo, where in our church, in the community we are. And we are praying God to have money to build these two classes. And we ask your support because you have done it before. Hallelujah. 
then these people who doesn't see, these children who need a future, they can have a future. And we don't know where God will take them for their future. And we believe that. We believe in this. This guy says, I was a blind, but now I can see. Think which area you are blind in. And take it to Jesus. I want to see Father. I want to see your love. And I want to be touched by you. May God bless you. Amen. Pastor said that the church is meant to give dignity to those who didn't have it. The church is meant to give back value to those who didn't have it. Because that really is the gospel, is that at least our gospel that we preach is a gospel that lifts people up. And it does not oppress them, does not push them back down, but it lifts them out of where they were into a different place. The country we work in, there are some really difficult realities. And when those realities face our members in the church, then if a person in, their, in the church is in crisis, how can they be blessed to be a blessing for others? It's a bit difficult. So as a church, we believe that we want to strengthen our members, not just spiritually, but if we see that children are giving their lives in worship, if they're bowing before the king, it's an injustice if we, if we just let them stay there but not go to school. In the country that we work in, at least especially in the area we're in, over half of the children that you will see in the area, only half will ever step foot in a classroom. We're not talking about finishing school. I'm saying to have a classroom experience where you're actually able to be in a school with a teacher. Only half will actually have that opportunity. And what we know is that education changes the future of a person. Education lifts a person up. It's not the only answer. Jesus is the only answer. But if we give Jesus and then we withhold that, we've done something wrong. And so education is something that we do. Another thing we, we like to see is we want to see fathers and mothers be able to provide for their families. I've sat with fathers who have said, you know, there's this Bible verse, and it says that if a man is not able to provide for his family, then he's less than an, um, than an unbeliever. And I've, had, I've sat with fathers who had tears in their eyes, and they said, I have given, I've tried. I've tried looking for a job. It's just not there. So how can God say that I'm an unbeliever? I want to be able to, as a church, if we're there for a long time, why don't we utilize creative ideas to bring employment and to, to do maybe what the government is not doing, to do what the international community is not doing, to be that light. We have a project called the Esther Project. It's, it's where we teach ladies how to sew. And after they sew, they get a job a lot of times through our ministry, or we give them a machine so that they can work with a different with a di find different work through that machine. But when they come under us, they begin to design. They work with a designer and they make bags 
that are sold all around the world. That creates jobs for them. And this is really, this is, these are things, some, these are small things, small acts of love that really change lives. Before I left, there was a lady named Karen. She was sewing late, late, late into the night at the workshop. And I was like, what is she doing at the workshop sewing so late? This is a lady who came in and she came into the church. She was not someone who was easy. Her, her family had gone through a lot and she, sometimes she didn't, when she talked to people, she wasn't always the most personable person. She didn't always have the best clothes, those types of things. She's really low. And finally, I go in there, I ask Karen, what, is, um, what are you doing in the workshop so late? And she says, God has blessed my family so much. God has blessed uh, us, me with this job and these skills. And so I would like, I'm sewing. I bought these material and I want to sew uniforms for, or yeah, uniforms for the entire children's choir, my own money, and give it to them as a Christmas present. And to me, that is the gospel, is that when you take, when God takes someone and then he blesses them to the point where they can be a blessing. And in her context, she saw that she wanted to do this and she was able to. What we believe is that the church where we're at, they, we don't want the international community to feed our people. We don't want the UN to come and try to create solutions. We don't want the aid organizations to come in and feed people. We want people from the church to be able to do that, be able to lift up their country. And finally, we have a leadership school. And you guys have played a big part in this leadership school because the curriculum, much of it, is taken from the discipleship curriculum I went through here at Calvary, translated into three languages, and now over 500 leaders have have graduated from it. And we believe that God wants to do something really redemptive in this nation. For a long time, people run out of Congo, you know, refugees going to other nations because they feel like there's no hope there. But what we believe is that Congo actually is, it's the opposite. It is a refuge. It's been a refuge for, I'm the first and for, first testimony to say that. I'm the, to say that it's been a refuge for me. And I believe that it, it will be a refuge and a training ground for many people. And this leadership school is a part of that. And what we are asking from you guys is to continue to partner with us. If you're not getting our emails, go to the table, sign up, and be able to get emails. We have stories upon stories of hope that we send out. If you're able to buy a bag, buy a bag. We have teachers that we need to pay that we want to stand behind. They're on the front lines. $100 a month will pay a teacher. If you want to donate monthly, you can do that. And then we have a third grade class. Right now, it's a third grade class of students that are about to graduate. In the month of June, June, they graduate. And we don't have a fourth grade classroom. It's $10,000 to complete a fourth grade classroom. And we're asking that you would stand with us and help us to get that money to build the fourth grade, fourth grade classroom. I thank you so much, and um, there's really nothing else that I have to say except that I want to leave you with a video. I want you to see my family. You're going to see a guy in a yellow shirt. He's a man that 
he he's a father he's a very simple man but he goes to he uses small business kind of how i mentioned jobs to get young children and young boys out of the army out of the militia groups and he rescues them and helps them to rebuild their lives he's a hero and he's someone that we support and when you support us you help us support him you help us support people like him and then the second thing you'll see is a lady sewing and then the third and this there's she's sewing bags that are for sale out there today and the third thing that you'll see is a lady writing her name for the first time an elderly lady and that's what he was saying I was once blind but now I see she was a Christian but she was still blind until she was able to read the Word of God and so thank you for being with us and this is this is my family well what an awesome day just want to say a um, couple of things because I love the prophetic so I woke up this morning and been reading the Gospel of John. God told me to back up into chapter 9 this morning. And then we have a pastor, comes all the way from Congo, has no idea the series that we're preaching is called I Can See. So we're just going to list that online, Tom, as uh, just the third message in the series. So, yeah, that's how God does that. It is. As you heard the word of the Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.